We are going to be talking to another very interesting um, South African, and his name is Zulu Matabo Zulu. So he is a, a South African that is, well, he's a software engineer and he's an author. And I suppose most people might know him for his blog, Zulu Matabo on the Internet 2.0. Um, and also for some of his work and some of the things that he's written around the Basutu origin of mathematics. So that's that's. Part of why I was quite interested and excited in chatting to him this evening, um, you know, but just talking about the work that he's done, the the things that he has written, I think a lot of the times we we tend to think in you know about Africa in very and African history in very archaic terms, and we tend to think that you know there was nothing in Africa before. Um, colonialism. There was no knowledge, there was no education, there was no mathematics, there were no sciences. So there's a lot of stereotypes that we have about South Af- uh, about Africa, um, you know, before um, colonialism. And some of his work touches on this, specifically focusing on um, mathematics, focusing on African philosophy, focusing on, you know, just the, the, the this whole idea of Africans coexisting. Um, so very, very interesting stuff that he does. Zulu, I see you're already on the line. How are you, Zulu? Oh, very well, thanks. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. So, Zulu, I mean, I want to jump right into the conversation and and, and just ask you to tell us a bit about yourself. What led you to, what is your story that led you to writing this blog, Zulu Matabo, on the Internet 2.0? Yes, that's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to your listeners. Uh, So, basically, uh, I was motivated by the African knowledge that I grew up with in my home. Uh, because uh, my mother was uh, what do they call, you know, a Naka or Nyanga, a, a traditional doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can recall that uh, she used to have these, uh, you know, she used to carry the bag and it used to have what they called, you know, the bones, you know, uh, when people talk about these things or the Daula. And uh, so one of the things that used to fascinate me is the fact that she used to use these things uh, in order to talk a lot about co- cosmic knowledge and uh, the the things that people uh, care a lot about uh, without actually placing these things on, on a human being, you know, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. those things used to fascinate me a lot. But maybe another thing that used to fascinate me is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, these things used to have some writings on them because... Uh, there is this mythology that Africans do not do, did not know how to read and write until the advent of Europeans in South Africa. Mm. Uh, but actually, uh, the ancient uh, Yonyangas used to have these writings and they used to write on their bones, you know. And I used to be quite fascinated by these symbols. So these things led me to know that actual Africans they have lots of knowledge, including the writing systems themselves, you know. And actually, the English themselves do not have a writing system because they never invented a writing system. You see, the writing system that we know as, you know, the ABCD, the alphabet, mm. that actually belongs to the Romans who occupied and conquered England, mm. you see. But in Africa here, we have more than 20 
different writing systems. So a lot of things led me to, to this things about African knowledge. Mm, mm. And so yeah. you, you touched on a few things, right? You talk, talked about cosmic knowledge. And, and, and I want us to really break these things down so that it is accessible to the average person that, that is listening to us. So tell us, in, when you talk about, you know, that you, know, you, you were exposed to cosmic knowledge, African knowledge systems, what does that practically mean for the work that you are currently doing? Well, uh, here's an interesting thing. So in one of my books called uh, The Sacred Knowledge of the, of the Desert, mm. African Philosophical uh, Transcendence, we write a lot there about, uh, you know, the Basutu, like other Africans, trace their genesis to the cosmos. Mm. They believe that their ancestors came from the stars. And, and this is confirmed by the extensive astronomical knowledge that they have. So, for example, uh, Basutu talk a lot about their stars, like they will talk about a star called Dosa, which in English means uh, Jupiter, mm-hmm. for example. And they will also uh, talk about stars like Cephalabuhoho uh, or Mpatalasan, and this is about Venus, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And they will also talk about other stars called Pleiades, uh, which is what they refer to as Slimera. Mm-hmm. And these stars are not just stars in terms of astronomy, but these stars are actually connected in terms of their agricultural activities. So, for example, when uh, Basutu have their own calendar, Mm. uh, which is different from the current calendar we use in South Africa. The calendar we use in South Africa is actually a colonial calendar. Mm. It begins in uh, January and ends in December. And those are European seasons because I spent most of my life in in North America, in Canada, and uh, January is an extremely cold month. And so it's December. There's a lot of snow. Mm. So essentially this European calendar or Euro-Christian calendar is a very cold calendar. Mm. Now, but so two calendar starts in the month of Pardo. Pardo is August. Mm. And then it ends in the month of uh, Pupu, which is July. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so this calendar of the Basuti is actually a warm calendar, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's just one of the things that makes a difference there. Mm-hmm. But before the Basuti begin to plant or to work on their land, they first had to consult this particular star system called Silimela, mm-hmm. which is in English a Pleiadist. Yes. Now, Silimela is not just a single star. It is actually a cluster of stars, about seven stars, actually. And now, just like the system of the Taula, for example, so they will look at the uh, the position, the geometry of the star systems of Slimela, and they were actually able to know that uh, what would be the state of their seasons, meaning uh, is it going to be a dry season, for example, or is it going to be, you know, a, a season of lots of rain? Mm. Now, if it was going to be, let's say, a dry season, then what they would do, they would grow a lot of what we call drought-resistant crops, like mabele, for example, mm. and mm. other ones like tepe. Tepe is one of your... Um, uh, you know, wild uh, green uh, vegetable that they, they that they use a lot, and and so I was quite fascinated that uh, these people, based on their cosmic knowledge or the knowledge of the cosmos, they actually know what to grow stuff like that. Yes. Yes. 
And and so that leads you now to to write about about them and their knowledge. And is that what got you to the Basutu Dictionary for Mathematics? Absolutely, yes. And another thing also that inspired me. So I lived most of my life in Canada. So mm-hmm. that means that uh, when I went to school, I actually was most of the time the only African. Uh, in the classroom, you know, uh, the classroom was usually a lily white classroom. So mostly uh, what I, uh, I refer to as the Anglo-Saxon society of Orowa. Mm. So whenever uh, they talk about mathematics, they would always talk about mathematics as if it was a, an exclusively European knowledge system and Africans didn't actually make any contribution as far as mathematics is concerned. Mm. And this thing used to touched me very deeply because uh, uh, where I grew up, as I pointed out, uh, my mother, who was, you know, what they call traditional doctor, for example, Mm. or a doctoral expert in African medicine, Mm. uh, mathematics is something that we used to talk a a lot about. Mm. Uh, They used to teach me, for example, uh, games like Diketo. So Diketo is a a special game uh, whereby, you know, they dig a pit on the ground Mm. and they have these number of stones. They could be 11 or 12. I know, know? yes. Mm. That's right. And uh, that that game by itself is, is, is a very sophisticated mathematical game because you've got very young kids, like, you know, small girls who could be, mm. let's say, three, four, five, six, uh, who play this particular game. And this game is not possible to play if you don't know how to count, yes. for example. Mm. Mm-hmm. And even the way they count also is very sophisticated because what they do is, let's say you've got 12 rocks in the pit. So you would throw this particular rock, which they call ghetto, and then you would have to remove all the rocks from the pit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next turn is to return this rock. So you throw this rock again in the air, and then you have to return, uh, let's say, the number of rocks minus one, for example. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. And the next time around is going to be the number of rocks minus two, you know? Yes. Uh, so, so the formula actually is what we call f of x uh, is equal to x minus 1. So this type of a formula is known as a recursive formula or a formula of recursion, Mm. right? Now, a system of recursion or recursive systems is a very complex mathematics, is used uh, mostly by engineers who are people are studying engineering, who who are studying to create, let's say, television systems Mm, mm. or graphics engines that uh, can simulate effects like fire, uh, clouds, smoke, and stuff like that. Mm. And and all these things are done based on mathematics. And most of that mathematics is what we call recursive systems. Mm. This is not just your ordinary mathematics that you learn in high school, you see? Mm. And so I was quite fascinated, but here are these kids who are very little, and yet they are able to talk about what they call in Sesotho Lekhuta. So Lekhuta means recursive systems. Mm. And yet in Canadian, in Canadian society, uh, students who are able to talk about recursive systems are actually engineering students. This is an interesting part. Right. You see. Mm. So this shows that uh, these people have indigenous knowledge. Mm. And yet their knowledge is actually inspired by the knowledge of the cosmos. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. I, you know, what, what, I, what I'm fascinated by in what you're saying is 
you know, ultimately, I think in, in the current discourse that we're in, which is just decolonize, 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 a lot of times, especially when it comes to these types of, you know, the sciences, which we tend to think of as objective um, studies, right? A lot of the yeah. times we are a lack for words of how one can decolonize these areas or how one can reimagine these areas of studies. So what I like about what you're saying is it's not so much that we need to prove that the Basutu people came up with a recursive system before the Europeans. We don't need to prove that. But I think there's yeah. value in being able to say that these are systems that somehow, somewhere were also and are also indigenous to our culture and indigenous to, to the people that we are. And I think it's in Absolutely. that that people are able to perhaps derive value um, and see themselves in what it is that they are studying or learning or being taught. Absolutely. And actually, even we can go further now to actually uh, show that uh, Africans, uh, not only they possessed uh, this, uh, you know, mathematical knowledge, but a lot of Europeans also came to Africa many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, to actually study mathematics. So one such European is um, uh, there's something called Fibonacci, you know, uh, Fibonacci numbers, Mm. you see. And also, this, this Fibonacci numbers is actually a recursive system. Mm. So, is the numbers that have this formula that is similar to the Keto known as f of x is equal to z minus 1, you see? Mm. And so, Fibonacci, actually, uh, he's a person. His father was an ambassador in uh, Africa here, mm. you know, in a country called uh, Morocco. And when he was here, so Fibonacci was a little boy. And so actually uh, he was taught mathematics by the Africans. Mm. And up until that time, the Europeans were using uh, what, you know, what is known as uh, Roman numerals. Mm. This, is a, this is how, you know, Roman numerals is yes. full of letters, for example. Yeah. Yeah. But this particular system didn't lend itself to sophisticated computation, mm. you see. And then after Fibonacci has learned about these uh, mathematics in Africa, he actually wrote a book. So I described that, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in my writings. And then he is the one who changed European mathematics from Roman numerals to what today, uh, you know, we call, you know, your standard uh, yeah, numbers, yeah. you know, like yes. zero, let's say yeah. uh, up to nine, you know, 10, that sort of stuff. Mm. So, uh, so that big change in, in Europe happened because of African access to African uh, mathematical knowledge. Yeah. And, and, and you've got others also like a uh, Pythagoras mm, also who mm, came from Greece, mm. you see, who also studied mathematics in Africa as well. Yeah. Um, Zulu, we are running out of time, but there is one very quick question that I want to ask you now, and I hope we can answer this question very quickly. I'm interested okay. in the why. Why do you do what you do? Why do you write what you write? Can you share, this, share that with us in a minute? <laughs> Absolutely, sure. You know, um, an uh, example I will make very quickly is that if you look in China, uh, they got their revolution or independence in October 1949. Mm. And it was led by, you know, Mao Zedong and others like Xiaoping and Chu Enlai. And 10 years later, they decided they needed the second revolution and they called it a cultural revolution. 
they were not talking about economic revolution, they were talking about cultural revolution. They said something like, you know, if Chinese can be inspired by their philosophers, their thinkers, their ancestors, their culture, China would become the greatest nation on the planet. And mm-hmm. today is the case. Mm-hmm. So uh, in, the, in, in, in South Africa here, you know, uh, identity is an extremely important thing. And unfortunately, because of uh, what I, I refer to as ECC, which is Euro-Christian colonization, the Africans have a, a sense of shame about themselves, for example. So, and if people have a sense of shame about their culture, they will not be able to move forward. Thank you. You know, Zimbabwe. we will have things like the moral decay and stuff like that. So culture, cultural knowledge is extremely important. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the line with us. For those of you who just joined, that was Zuluma Tabo Zulu.